Hello, we are now recording. I am Jonathan Dixon here with Grandma Arda Jean Christensen. Say hello, Grandma. Hello, Grandma. <laughs> We're here on the My Family Her Story podcast, and it is February 17th, 2021. Our goal here is to preserve in podcast form stories and memories for future generations and to have a good time. Today, we are talking about grandma's mission to the Pacific Northwest in the early 50s. Uh, grandma, where did you serve your mission? My, my mission was called the Northwestern States Mission. And it included Washington, Oregon, the Panhandle of Idaho, and all of Alaska. That always surprises people yeah. <laughs> when I say that because that must have that must have about 30 missions in it by at this time, all of those, all of those states. But my personal mission was in in uh, Portland, Oregon. I was there for for nine months. My my first <clears throat> assignment was in the <clears throat> excuse me. My first assignment was in the mission field, and in uh, in North Portland, and. My second assignment was for six months in the in the office, so I was in the mission office in Portland for for six months after starting in the in the in the mission field. My my my. First, I have to go back and tell you how what it was like in in the mission home, which was today's ver then's version of today's MTC. Well, not today's MTC because oh my goodness, MTC is in your in your bedroom nowadays, <laughs> and you can't and you can't come out. You gotta have a you gotta have a partner at all at all times if you come outside your bedroom. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> that's that's too unusual to even talk about, but my mission uh, preparation was in a place we called the missionary home and it was across the street north of where, where the church office building is today in downtown Salt Lake City. Mm -hmm. And this, uh, th those buildings are not even there anymore. They've been replaced by, by the, by the church. Uh, what's it called? The church history library or something like that. Anyway, <clears throat> that new, that new building is where our old mission missionary home was. And there were about 2000 missionaries in the field in the whole world, 2000 in total. And that's 
seems pretty small considering um, that we have like 60,000 today. So uh, things were different then. Yeah. But the I I believe I believe I told you last week how it was that I went home from my from college thinking that I was going to spend a couple of weeks at home and then and then go back and finish my last two two quarters of of uh, of my college and then graduate but uh, my my bishop cornered me and said that he wanted me to go on a mission and that that's what when I decided to wait and finish college after I came home from my mission and so I just went went at that time instead and uh, we had to The, the very first thing, which I think is a funny experience, is that according to my instructions in my missionary letter, I was taken to, my parents dropped me off at the New House Hotel in uptown Salt Lake City. That doesn't, that isn't there anymore either, but that's where they left me. And I went inside and told them that I was there and they seemed a little startled and asked me to wait in the foyer and they would get back to me. And so I sat there for quite a while uh, and mainly the most of the afternoon and nobody, talk to me about what I should do. Eventually, somebody came to me and said, he checked, this, this person checked my name and he said, obviously you're a sister. Well, yeah, I am. Well, somehow when they were assigning places for people to stay, to sleep, they thought I was an elder <laughs> by my by my name somehow, <laughs> and so they had assigned me in a place where there was no sisters, only elders. Oh man! In the in the hotel, and so so eventually somebody showed up and transported me back up to the mission missionary home across the street from what later became the church office building. Anyway, we, that was, that was kind of a funny thing. And my, my father was always real jokey. So when I wrote him a letter and told him what had happened, he wrote me back and he said, I'm just so sad to think that one of my missionaries isn't worthy to be an elder. <laughs> Uh, father i must tell you they took me i'm no longer i am no longer an elder <laughs> so 
they they took me. But then the funny thing about the whole thing was that that um, I didn't have a companion. Apparently, they assumed I was an elder, and they there wasn't anybody for me to be companions to. So I had a little corner room in the in the missionary home, <laughs> and and I was by myself. But that's okay, because then we just went to the classes and all things like that, and and I was fine with everything that way. How long was the mission home experience? It was it was a week, maybe <laughs> ten, maybe ten days. I don't remember. It wasn't very long. We had a lot of talks by by general authorities, um, and we had other people who gave us talks that were to prepare us to become a missionary. And one of the days, uh, on one of the days, they took us on a on a tour of the Salt Lake Temple. They took us showed us a lot of places that I've worked in the temple for about for about seven, eight or nine years, somewhere along in there. I always forget how long I worked in the temple, but I never again went to some of the places that they took us missionaries as we as we made this little tour of the Salt Lake Temple. You worked in the Salt Lake Temple? Yeah, yeah, I, wor I worked there later in my life. But um, anyway, they took us, took us on the tour of the Salt Lake Temple and that was, that was very enlightening to us. And I, and, and I had previously been endowed so at the Manti Temple, so, so I guess all of those who had been endowed could go in the temple and on this little tour. So anyway, that that was part of the beginning. I had a little experience that I've treasured all my life. I had something that I had to deliver. I forgot what this is now, but I had to deliver something at the at the empty at the church administration building, the church office building, which is the administration building it faces on South Temple. And our, our mission uh, building was on North Temple. And I had to deliver this paper, whatever it was, into the church office building. I should call it the administration building. Again, I keep forgetting the names, but anyway, I was, I thought that I would cut through the block, go around to the front and go in through the front door of the administration building. And I got almost there and I thought, and I saw a door open at the back of the building. And I wondered if I could enter through that door. It was just a kind of a little 
a small door. It wasn't like a grand entrance like the front of the building had. And I looked around and I saw President David O. McKay walking close to me. And, and he said to me, can I help you with something? Because I'm sure I looked a little bewildered. And I said, well, I was just wondering if I could enter the building through that door right there. And President McKay took me by the arm and he said, I'll take you in with me. And he says, and I hope when I meet St. Peter that he does the same thing for me. <laughs> oh, that's delightful. Yeah, just a great little story about President McKay and what a cute sense of humor he had and what a kind man he was to, to rescue me when I was a little bewildered as to whether where I could go and what I could do. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so anyway, as I said, they never gave me a, a companion. And after I'd had my after I'd had my week's training and we were ready to go, I learned that my group that I was assigned with consisted of 12 elders and me, a girl. From the I, very beginning, it was you and the elders. <laughs> so you're on the train headed to Portland. Uh, I realize now that I have not asked, what years did you serve your mission? Okay, this is, this is 1950, October of 1950 when I was when I was starting so October of 1950 and how long did your mission take I was scheduled to I was scheduled to serve for 18 months <clears throat> excuse me I think that's still the the time for sister missionaries but uh, when we were when we were getting when we were finishing up the korean war had begun and they were taking all the young men into the army to into the service so they could fight this war. And, and so we didn't have replacements coming out into the mission field. Only some sisters were coming, but no, no elders. And so it was a time in which they were closing things down. So the mission president asked me if I could extend for a while. And I did and finished two more months before he released me and I came home after 20 months in the mission field. Awesome. Just as, as long as I'm thinking about it at this moment, that at, at that time, when the, when the young elders were coming home from their missions, they were having to go right into the army and the ones that were turning 
age for the service could not go on a mission. So it was a, a time of transition and a, a lot of differences than, than the normal period of time. But one of the elders <clears throat> that I saw long after our missions told me that <clears throat> he came, <coughs> sorry, he came home from his mission, walked up the steps to uh, the, the front steps to his house and saw that there was mail in the mailbox and he picked it up and it was his call to go in the army. And he got it the very day that he returned from his mission. That uh, just an rough. illustration. Uh, just an illustration of how things were at that at that exact time. So we're on the train and we're headed for the mission field. And we were talking with somebody who was familiar with the area and they were saying, oh, look, you can see, you can see Mount Hood uh, out the side window of the train. And they were talking about it. And, and I was on the opposite side and I jumped up and walked over to where I could look out the window. But just at that exact moment, the train was making a turn, a, a curve. The track curved and the train zoomed right past and I didn't get a view of Mount Hood at all. And so that this person said to me, oh, that's okay. If you're going to be in Portland, you can see it from Portland. So you'll be able to see it. You'll be able to see that famous mountain. So I thought, okay. And I kept thinking about that. And from the, when I was, when we arrived in October, it was like rainy weather. The winter weather had arrived and set in and we were getting rain and cloudiness every single day, every day. The first day I saw Mount Hood was on Christmas day from Portland. Oh wow. It was always <laughs> covered with, with clouds and it, and it was rain. Not, not visible. Well, I wasn't used to rainy weather. I lived my whole entire life in the state of Utah and Rain hardly ever happened. <laughs> but we went tracting in the rain. We went to our meetings in the rain. We came home in the rain. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was just rainy all the time in the Northwest. So I was going to ask, you, when you got to your mission, um, what are some of the things that surprised you about your mission experience? And what are some of the things that you loved most about your mission experience? Well, that thing about the weather was one thing that really truly surprised me. I, I just, I don't think I'd ever talked to anybody who lived in the Northwest. I had no idea that it rained up there all winter long. Anyway, that, 
was one of the biggest surprises. And other than that, I just loved my mission. I felt like that I was just in a place where I, I had always wanted to be, where I could just enjoy living the gospel the way I had always lived it and always wanted to live it. And there was no, it was just with everybody else was also living the gospel. And it was a, a wonderful experience that way that, that the whole of our focus was on living the gospel and teaching the gospel and introducing it to other people and helping them to find the joy of the gospel that, that we were enjoying and, and were feeling. So, so this is a, that is one of the things that I loved about it. And not, you, I don't know if it was a surprise or not. Did you find reasonable success uh, preaching in, in Portland in the 50s? Well, we had a, we had a good uh, success in our mission. We had we had a new um, we had a new missionary program that was being implemented in our mission. Our mission president was Joel Richards who was a brother to the apostle Legrand Richards. And Legrand Richards had previously been a mission president down in the in somewhere in the southern states and and he had formulated this missionary plan and president president Richards our mission president um, at adapted it to the to the to use in our in our mission and he had a a fine young elder by the name of Richard Anderson who helped him to formulate that uh, approach and to put put the scriptures with it and this missionary plan was very very effective and our mission is the Northwestern States Mission was the highest baptizer in the world at the time. So that was kind of exciting too. You know, you, you got a lot of um, feedback, a lot. What's the word I'm trying to say? It made you feel good to be in the highest baptizing mission in the world. Yeah, that sounds like an exciting thing to be part of. Yeah, it was it was lovely. And and he had sent us. He had sent us a copy of that mission plan before we ever went into the into the mission field. And so I had already been studying it and trying to learn it. And learning that approach, which was to. It was a systematic approach to the gospel principles that uh,
that was proven by the Bible. And they had used mainly the scriptures from the Bible to teach this. Now, you may be, you may be somewhat familiar with this plan if you've ever read the book called A Marvelous Work and a Wonder by Legrand Richards. And that book is basically that this came out later and was used a lot in the church, but that's, it's basically that same approach that he uses in that book. Anyway, this is what, this is what we were teaching. And so it was teaching us at the same time that it was teaching the, the, our investigators. And we learned President Richards had us memorize it, a new scripture with its uh, references every day. And, and we had to learn, learn one, one new scripture a day and recite it to our companion. Or during the time, the six months that I was in the, in the mission field, why it was it was reciting it to our mission president every mm -hmm. morning. While you're in the mission home? Yeah. For sure. So you did eventually get a companion. <laughs> well, the minute I got to Portland, I got a companion. <laughs> do you remember uh, your companions very well? And if you do, tell me about them. Well, uh, my first companion was Sister Ernstrom. And... <clears throat> She was a little bitty girl, about five feet tall. And I, of course, was five foot nine. So, <laughs> so we made an interesting pair. But she was, she was a very excellent teacher and she helped me to learn those lessons. And we, we, had, some, we had some interesting people that we taught and baptized brother Fink. <laughs> he, he told us that his wife was not interested in the, in the gospel, but she said if he was gonna be that religious, she was, he was going to have to prove to her that it was real. And so she just made it a point to torment that poor man almost out of his life just to see what his reaction would be and see if this new religion that he was taking up was really going to take. But Brother Fink was so patient and so wonderful with her. And after, after I was home from my mission, uh, years later, I saw his uh, his picture in the church news, and he was in a bishopric. That uh, in those days, you know, with only that many people in the church, why the church news could give you information from your ward. <laughs> mm -hmm. They don't, you don't see any of that in the. You don't see anything below a mission president or a stake president or a temple president in the church news today. But anyway, Brother Fink was was his picture was in there. And I thought, well, that's just great. He's still 
active, he's still doing his job, and he's being a wonderful member of the church. So I kept, I think about him once in a while when I think of, you really can do anything that you set your mind to do if you, if you have your heart on it well enough, because that lady, his wife was sure giving him a hard time. And I have no idea whether she ever joined the church or not, because I didn't have correspondence with the people thereafter. But, but she was, while we were teaching him, she was trying to torment him and make him break down and not act like a Christian. <laughs> mm -hmm. But he wouldn't. He, he was, uh, it was an interesting person. Mm -hmm. Did so, you have any companions that you especially loved or bonded bonded closely with? Well, you know, I think I I loved and bonded with all my companions. I had a really good time with that. My <clears throat> before during that during that period of time that I was just getting ready to go on my mission, that very short time. I was back on the BYU campus uh, for what, I don't remember, but I, I met one of, my, one of my good friends on, on campus and just in, in talking, she learned that I was gonna go on a mission. And she said, oh, I'm gonna go on a mission. My, fiance is in the mission field and I'm going to go and then we're going to get married when he gets home. Well, that was interesting to know. So I said, well, I'm going to the Northwestern States. So get your call to the Northwestern States and come out there and we'll be companions. And we were just joking like that. And it was kind of a fun little, little uh, discussion. Well, when I, when I got my, call, my assignment, when I left six months later, I left the, the, the office, my assignment in the office, and was assigned to go to Yakima, Washington. And my companion was no less than Sister Garna Taylor, who was this girl that I had, she and I had been joking about, and it came to pass just the way we, we sort of planned it. She did so that, the very thing. She did that very thing. <clears throat> send her, send her papers in. Got called to the northwestern states, and when I came out of the mission office, she was my companion, and that. That was a that was a fun companionship. We enjoyed we enjoyed each other a lot being companions and and she we were we were together for about six months, I guess. They they left us together quite a bit in those days. But anyway, for quite a little period of time there in, in Yakima. And then she was transferred and I received a, a greenie, a new, a new missionary from 
from Mesa, Arizona, and her name was Lily Bell Peterson. And Lily Bell and I were great, great together. I loved her with with a great love and people people used to think we were sisters they said we looked alike and then when we'd call each other sister they'd say well you are sisters aren't you <laughs> well not in that sense but <laughs> but anyway sister peterson was a was a grand a grand uh, companion as well she was she was bright and and eager to learn and she learned her discussions really quickly and we had a we had a really nice uh, nice experience with her when i was with her we baptized sister kidman her husband was already a member of the church and uh, she was a, she caught, came to us and said, teach me the gospel. And that was, that was beautiful. We did, and she joined the church and she was, she was really sister. I tried to give her to sister Peterson to be her, to teach her, but she knew more than sister Peterson did. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I had to sort of take her back and, and we taught her together. But anyway, it was, uh, that, that was fun. She knew a lot because her husband was a member of the church already. And that's why she knew so much about the gospel already. Anyway, that was a, that was an interesting circumstance. My, my next companion was Sister Thompson, Roanne Thompson from Los Angeles, California. And we were together in Bellingham, Washington for another six months. I don't know. Anyway, the interesting thing to me about Bellingham is that today, right now, my grandson Christian lives in Bellingham, Washington, the very town that I served in with Sister Thompson. And he's a missionary too. And he's a missionary right now today. Holding the torch. And I thought, I think that's kind of fun to know that I was there. Well, I add that up for me. I was there in 1950 and he's there in 2021. 70 years 71 ago. Years. 71 years ago. Isn't that something? That is amazing. And, yeah. Anyway, then after that, I had I had a little time in Seattle, Washington with my, with my last companion, whose name was Joanne Ellison. And that was a lot of fun as well. Every one of my missionary companions was 
was excellent and we enjoyed our lives together, our time together. And Sister Ellison was another one who was engaged to an elder and he, he was on his mission and she was on her mission and both of those two companions went home, married their, their person that they were engaged to and had a happy life thereafter, I guess. Didn't know any, I, I've been kept fr friendship up with Sister Taylor and my children all knew her children as we, they were growing up, even though they lived in in New York State, and I li we lived in Utah, but they would come here because she had family here, and they would come here, and we would meet up with her, with her family, and take them out in our back in our back field and have them ride the three wheelers and and like that. We had a lot of interaction with those with Garda and her her family after the mission was over. But I have to insert here a little bit about my companion Lily Bell. We had a We had a mission, uh, what we call him a supervisor. We used to call him a supervisor. I guess you'd call him a zone leader today, but whatever, whatever the assignment was, he, that's what it was. And he was over several groups of missionaries. And uh, And he used to he used to tease us and he called he called me. He learned that I was from Sigurd and Sister Taylor was from Salina and so we had this we had this little name that he called us and he called me Sigurd Sal and her Salina Lil. And so we had those little pet names that, that he used to call us. And then when, when Sister Taylor was transferred and I got Sister Peterson as a companion, her name was Lily Bell. Well, that sort of went along with that idea about Lil. And so he changed our pet name to Lily and Sally from Yakima Valley. <laughs> so he seems very and, clever. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, here's, here's my friend Lily, Lily and Sally from Yakima Valley. And, and we were together for several months and then and then I got transferred up to Bellingham as I said and about we didn't have cell phones we didn't even have telephones that we could talk to each other with you had to have an operator to put you in connection with somebody if you were calling long distance or anything like that 
there wasn't anything like the type of communications that we have today where you keep track of people on a day-by-day -day basis. In about a week's time from when I left Lily in Yakima Valley, I got a letter in the mail from our bishop in Yakima Valley, and I discovered that my companion that I loved so much had taken seriously ill and had gone home from her mission already, just within a few days after I left her. And I just, it was, it really hit me hard. I couldn't believe it and I couldn't understand it. Well, she, she was in the hospital for a little while, I don't know how long, and then she passed away. So I lost my companion. And I don't think that happens very often on a mission. That's kind of a strange experience. That's so sad. Yeah, a terrible, terrible blow for me. I, because that was a very dear, a very dear friend. And then to think that I would never see her again. That last day that we had together in Yakima was the last day I would ever see her. And as in today's world, I think she would be diagnosed to have a, a brain tumor. I believe that's what she had, but I don't think they ever knew what the problem was. They just, they just diagnosed her erratic behavior as like a nervous breakdown or something like that. And, and they had to, they had to return her to her home in Mesa. And then she, and then she passed away. Anyway, that that's a, that's one sad memory from my mission because my time with her was so precious. And then, and then she lost her, her life. But I had, I had a kind of a consolation in the feeling that I had that she was called on another mission and that my job was to train her to be a missionary, which she became a very excellent missionary and was able to, to teach the lessons in a beautiful manner. And she had a great testimony of the gospel. And then she went, and I believe she continued her mission in heaven. So, Maybe someday I'll see her again up there. Who knows? I think you will. So on your mission, it sounds like you had um, a lot of experiences. Aside from the one you just shared, are there any um, other experiences on your mission that just really stick out as being especially poignant and um, that you'd like to share with us? Well, there's one that, one that I refer back to a lot, 
and it's reading reading the Book of Mormon again in the mission field with the understanding that I had received through the missionary plan, the discussions that we taught the, the, the prospective members. Because when you learn those lessons, why you learn them along with your with the people that you're teaching. And, and so I had a deeper understanding and a deeper perspective in the gospel than I had ever had before. And I remember what a great, wonderful joy it was to read the Book of Mormon So the experience that I had learning the gospel and learning the reading the Book of Mormon with that new understanding of the gospel was so powerful to me. It was like I could like I could hardly wait till our study time again so I could read some more of the Book of Mormon. Although it's all familiar to me, it was all being opened up to my mind in a new and powerful way. That was one of my very favorite experiences from the mission field because it gave me a foundation for my the rest of my life to understand mm -hmm. the gospel better than I ever had before and to love the Book of Mormon uh, even better than I ever had before. So that was that was one of the wonderful things. That does sound wonderful. I I am fully with you when I uh, I had a very similar experience on my mission, learning the gospel before you learn how to teach the gospel. And so I uh, I feel like that's one of the best parts of serving. Yeah. So lastly, um, coming to the end of our little conversation here. Um, what was coming home like? Uh, many people talk about the the mission life to home life transition. Uh, how was that experience for you? Well, I didn't have, I didn't have any like sadness about coming home or great difficulty in coming home. I was, I was ready to come home and my, I was happy to see my family again and my my life just picked up again, went on in a different direction, but I was able to then go back to school and um, I was, I just had two more, two more quarters of, of classes left to finish my degree. And so I just basically went right back into, into my college life. And I was uh, I was training training to be a an elementary school teacher, and the, what I had left to do, basically with my with my training was my student teaching, and so I spent I spent those six months or so finishing 
finishing up my college degree and doing my student teaching and my life just went in a whole different direction except that I had a lot of interaction with people that I had known in the mission field and that was that was made it even more fun for me and more joyous so so I just felt like that each step was a step forward I didn't have I didn't have hardly any uh, sadness about leaving, the, certain amount of sadness about leaving the mission field because I loved it so much. But um, I just went on into some other aspects of my life. And then when I, when I finished, when I finished school, I actually finished in the middle, because there were three, three quarters in the, in the year, and then the, of course the summer quarter following. But I took the first two quarters, finished my, finished all my classes and everything, finished my student teaching. I could not, I couldn't find a job doing a, doing teaching because it was the middle of the year and it wasn't when they were hiring people. So I didn't ever didn't find a job uh, teaching, which I had kind of hoped I would, but I took a job in, in, and lived at home in my hometown of Sigurd, Utah and worked in Richfield at a, as a secretary in a, a, a business. They had, they had an automobile dealership and also a lumber business and and I, I worked there. I worked. I took that job and worked there, and then, at the end of the, at the end of the uh, school year, when it was time to, to graduate, and and I went back to Provo for my graduation, then. I had that just that week met on a blind date. I met this handsome young man that that was uh, taking my interest. And so he and I got married at the end of the summer and he joined the army right away because he felt like it was his duty to serve his country. And I wanted to be with him and go with him. So I didn't take a job. When it, one was finally offered to me in the fall, <laughs> I didn't take a job teaching school because by then we had these plans and I wanted, to, I wanted to be able to go with him wherever he was sent for his training and so on in the army. And all of that happened and, and my life took a totally different turn turn mm -hmm. except that I felt like everything that I learned in college prepared me for my life and all those classes that I took in how to teach children right away I had children to teach mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, so that my life changed that and we'll talk about that change in marrying grandpa uh that's what we're doing next week but do you have any advice for 
missionaries or I mean people who are about to leave on their mission? Well, I think it's the advice that everybody gives. Work hard, study hard, pray hard. You'll have a great mission and it will change your life and it will be the best thing that you ever did up to that time of your life. So that's kind of my advice to somebody going on a mission. Take it seriously. Be earnest about, about learning all the principles of the gospel and teaching them and sharing that joy with, with the people that you meet. So what advice would you have for recently returned missionaries who are looking forward towards the rest of their life? Well, you know, I think the advice for the returning missionary and for anyone for that matter is the same as the advice for the departing missionary. Be earnest about it, be dedicated to the gospel practice the gospel, live it, learn it, love it, teach it, and share it throughout your life, because that's the great plan of happiness. That's what the Book of Mormon calls it. That's the way to be happy in your life. Stay with the, you know, the little primary song, follow the prophet. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful advice. Well, thank you so much for sharing today, Grandma. I have loved having this conversation and hearing these stories. Uh, we're going to end this here, but again, thank you very much. I love you, Grandma. I love you too, Jonathan. Thanks for doing this.